The following podcast is closed caption for the Disney impaired. It is intended for mature audiences and parental discretion is advised. Mouse Rants will make this available at all times because it's on the internet. And if you don't like that, then you can go fuck yourself.
this is Kate from Yoho Yoho Bloggers Life from Me.blogspot.com and the Mouseport Podcast. I thought I would talk about different cooking terms and what exactly they mean. Having a food blog, mainly food blog, I get a ton of questions about what certain things mean when I post recipes. So I thought I would go over that, have a quick, like all my Disney cookbook reviews, like mini reviews on who's good for what kind of book. And at the end, I will give a new recipe that I haven't posted on my blog yet for everybody. And the first thing is al dente. It's an Italian term used to describe pasta that is cooked until it offers a slight resistance to the bite. Based to moisten foods during cooking with pan drippings or special sauce to add flavor and prevent drying. And Megveg actually asked me this one a couple weeks ago. We were talking about a Berblanc, and this is a hot emulsified butter sauce made with a reduction of vinegar and or white wine with gray shallots into a cold whole butter, and it's blended with heat to prevent off the heat to prevent separation. And I got this at Flying Fish. Their main fish dish that they use is in a potato blanc, and it's amazing, and I highly recommend it. Blanche means to immerse in rapidly boiling water and allow to cook slightly. Charcuterie is a fancy, fancy French term for the preparation of cooked meats ranging from bacon to cured meats and sausage. Clarify means to separate and remove solids from a liquid, thus making it clear. Fold is to incorporate a delicate substance such as whipped cream or beaten egg whites into another substance without releasing the air bubbles. And to do this, you need to cut down through the mixture with a spoon or spatula and whisk or fork. Go across the bottom of the bowl up and over close to the surface. The process is repeated while slowing, rotating the bowl until the ingredients are thoroughly blended. Julienne is just to cut vegetables, fruits, or cheeses into thin, long strips. Planked means to cook on a thick hardwood plank. Roux, which I do talk about this in a bunch of my soup recipes if you've made the Disneyland clam chowder, which is really good. I highly recommend that recipe on my blog. You you start out making a roux, which is a mixture of melted butter or oil and flour cooked over low heat and stirred constantly to make a base, and it's basically going to thicken your soup. Scald, which is to bring a temperature just below the boiling point. You You usually scald stuff when you're making like puddings and that kind of thing, anything with milk. Score is to cut slits into foods before Cooking for various purposes, including decoration, ease of cutting after cooking, tenderization, or allow flavors to penetrate the service. Additionally, the fat layer of a large cut of meat, as well as smaller cuts with a fatty outer layer, such as duck breasts, is often scored so that some of the fat melts out during roasting. Simmer is to cook slowly in liquid overheat At a temperature about 180 degrees, the surface of the liquid should be barely moving, broken from time to time by slowly rising bubbles. Skim is to remove impurities, whether scum or fat, from the surface of a liquid during cooking, resulting in a clear, cleaner tasting final produce. Steep means to extract color, flavor, 
or other qualities from a substance by leaving it in the water just below boiling point. Truss, to secure poultry with strings or skewers to hold its shape while cooking. Umami, which I've actually used when I was doing Whole30, and it's the fifth flavor element, not covered by sweet, sour, salty, or bitter. It is amazing. You can't really explain it without you tasting it, but I highly recommend it. The Nom Nom Paleo cookbook has a lot of stuff, that kind of cooking style in there. And for the second portion, I, I just found numerous kind of funny names for different stuff that they use in, or maybe they don't use or they have used in the past in the restaurant industry. I personally, when I was like 20, 21, I was a hostess at Don Pablo's, if you remember that Mexican chain. And the funny thing is, I don't even like Mexican food. <laughs> and I worked there. But I found some funny terms earlier today that I wanted to share. And I never knew that a bubble dancer was a disrespectful name for one of the most valuable and unrecognized kitchen staff, the dishwasher. Campers are customers that hang out at a table all night, and even turning off all the lights doesn't get rid of them at closing time. Cremate it or kill it to almost burn something or to be overcooked, i.e. Table 5 wants his burger cremated, never heard that. Hockey puck, a well-done burger. I've, I've heard the early bird crowd, but Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune crowd is basically the same thing. A Pittsburgh rare, burnt on the outside and rare on the inside. That sounds disgusting to me. I don't know about you. But yeah, that does not sound appetizing. And I'm not really sure this saying. It's called redneck, the non-tipping public not related to rural type, meaning a cheapskate. Why wouldn't you just call it cheapskate? Why does it have to have 8 million different names? I don't get it. And this was a new one for me. It's called a shoe. A slacker, cook, or chef. Someone who doesn't cook well. The only origin for this word I know was told to me by a European chef I worked for. The term shoe came from the fact that in Europe, most of the chefs in the northern region wore wooden clogs in the kitchen. A bad or clumsy chef who stumbled a lot and was made fun of by other cooks and chefs. Eh, I just thought that was interesting. The man or boogeyman is the health inspector. Wash your hands, the man is here. Better mop the walk-in. The boogeyman's coming in 10 minutes. I just thought that was a weird name. And then the last two things, Tron is an old 80s slang for waiter or waitress. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I saw. And then they updated the name by, instead of calling waiter or waitress, they changed it from Tron to Waitron. It was coined in the late 80s to avoid using sexist terms of waiter and waitress and was replaced in the 90s by server. And I just wanted to go over real quick all of my Disney cookbooks. I couldn't find one or two of them, but I would go over the rest of my cookbooks. The first one is Cooking with Mickey. This is volume two. The person who would like this cookbook. This has a lot of old school recipes in it, and I think the cookbooks nowadays, they're way too expensive for the amount of recipes that you're getting. Back in the day, they used to give you tons and tons of recipes, and now you're not getting that much for your money, in my opinion, compared to the old cookbooks from the 80s and early 90s to mid-90s. 
But I do recommend the Cooking with Mickey cookbook for any level of skill. You can always find, there's a little bit advanced recipes in here, but they have something for everyone in here. And the next book is, get this name, Chef Mickey Treasures from the Vault and Delicious New Favorites. They could have come up with a much better name for that, but they didn't. And this has a lot of good recipes as well. It has this... It has a lot of more advanced recipes in here, and some of Walt Disney's personal recipes are in this cookbook. There's a lemon chiffon pie of his. Here are some Walt's Chili's recipes in here. I've made the Cinderella's Royal Table cream cheese chocolate uh, cupcake buckles that are really good. So I would highly recommend this. This has everything. They have a lot of Disneyland recipes if you like Disneyland. So I would recommend this. And one of the more advanced cookbooks, I would say, is the Delicious Disney Desserts. Let's see. It, more of the high-end, like there's a recipe from the California Grill, the Vineyard Room at the California Adventure Resort, um, the Hollywood Brown Derby. These are more of the extravagant desserts in this cookbook. And the next cookbook is Delicious Disney, The Disney Chefs with Pam Brandon. And this is a really expensive cookbook. I actually ended up getting this at halfpricebooks.com. It's originally $40, which is crazy for a cookbook. It does have a good number of recipes, and every recipe has a picture in it, which I like. And it has something for everybody in here. It has easy recipes to very advanced recipes in here. So there's something for everybody in here. And the next cookbook is Kitchen Magic with Mickey. This one's pretty recent that, have, that has come out as well. I would say that this cookbook is more for medium to advanced people. They have like the scotch egg from uh, what should I call it rose and crown they have the truffle mac and cheese which is my favorite one of my favorite things on property to make and they have a bunch of different recipes but I would say this is more for your advanced cook and the cookbook that I'm using today is actually my favorite Disney cookbook that I own it's called cooking with Mickey around the world I believe it's from the late 80s early 90s and it's all, let's see, it's almost 300 pages. And I would say this cookbook is super simple. Most of the recipes are super simple to make. There are probably a couple advanced ones, but most of them are easy for the most part. So I'd highly recommend this for a beginner starting out who wants to get into Disney recipes. And I thought it would give out the recipe. Jerry requested something with cream or something like that. Gee, I wonder why. And I'll be giving out the recipe for the chocolate mousse at the Patissier in France and Epcot. And for the ingredients, you're going to need five ounces of semi-sweet chocolate melted, two egg yolks slightly beaten, a fourth a cup of cream, one teaspoon of vanilla extract, three egg whites, fourth cup of sugar, and this makes three cups of product. You're going to melt chocolate over hot water, remove that after it's all done, combine egg yolks and cream, gradually add chocolate stirring rapidly, add vanilla, 
Beat egg whites with sugar until stiff beaks form. Gently fold into chocolate mixture and chill until firm. I would chill this at least three hours before serving just to be on the safe side. I have made this, but I made it a long time ago. Um, you just have to pay attention to when you're making it, but it is super easy to make. And that's it for me. See you next time. Bye. You can look, but you can't touch. You keep dreaming on the stars above. So WrestleMania is this Sunday, April 2nd. I think you all need to know who's going to be in the matches, right? Yes, right. So here we go. Alright, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal is in the pre-show. Wow, that's a lot of wrestlers in the pre-show. Pre-show starts at 5, by the way, which is super early, and this is going to be a whole day affair, so that'll be fun. For the Battle Royal, we have, uh, let's see... 30 people. We got Braun Strowman, the big strong man who uh, has a beard. Sami Zayn. He's a kind of a ska Canadian punk type dude. He's pretty cool. Uh, big Show is a giant who is, you know, not the dead, not the dead giant, the other one. He's awesome. Dolph Ziggler. I, I, I have some opinions on Dolph Ziggler. I used to hate Dolph Ziggler, but now he's heel and uh, I think he pulls it off pretty well, except for his stupid man bun, but otherwise, you know, he's he's better. He's not great. He's alright. He's a middleman, I guess. Who else do we have? Apollo Crews. He's been nowhere. He's just some NXT kid that came up and, you know, he's huge, but he doesn't really have a shtick or anything. Jimmy and Jay Uso, why are they in the friggin' royal? Alright, anyways, they're twins. They're whatever, Samoan. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, Chad Gable. Who the hell is that? Oh yeah, Jason Jordan and Chad Gable. They are the American Alpha tag team. I couldn't care less about them. Mark Henry, strongest man in the world. He is alright. He usually uh, takes out a few people and then gets somehow knocked out himself. I don't know how you take out like a 400 pound black man, but that's besides the point. Titus O'Neil. He hasn't been doing much at all. He's a big black guy as well. He goes, oh, oh. That's him. Goldust. Uh, he is my, you know, he's he's one of my favorites, even though uh, everyone's pretty tired of him and he's mostly a jobber, but Goldust has a good shtick. He's, uh, he has face paint on and he's pretty funny. R-Truth is his tag team uh, partner and they have a good dynamic, I think. They're really funny and they do little skits and stuff. That's mostly what they're used for. Uh, Curtis Axel. Yeah, he doesn't really do much. Uh, Primo. I have no idea. Primo and Epico. Oh, they must be the uh, Portugal people, the tag team that sucks. Bo Dallas. Yeah, he's a jobber. He's not doing too much lately. Jinder Mahal again. He's, you know, ripped as hell right now, but still not doing anything. Rhino and Heath Slater. These are all tag teams from SmackDown. Mojo Rowley. Uh, Sansa. Whatever his name is. His other tag team member. Uh, what's his fucking name? Zack Ryder. Zack Ryder won't be there. I think he's still out. Uh, but Mojo Rowley's pretty fun. He's all hyped and he stays hyped and he's all like running around and shit. Kurt Hawkins. Yeah, that's the guy that's new and I have no idea who the hell he is. He just keeps showing up randomly and uh, I don't even know. He has some fucking... He holds a bat. I don't know what the hell he's doing. Tyler Breeze. I love Tyler Breeze, but he just wasn't 
I don't know if he wasn't ready or he just not like hitting his stride. Tyler Breeze and Fandango, they're making a good tag team though. And they make a, they did that uh, skit that they did for KFC and they were pretty funny in that. So I think they have a good shtick as long as they, you know, don't wrestle a whole lot, I guess. Simon Gotch and Aiden English are again are the vaude villains. They're not very used. Um, again, they have a good shtick, but like there's nothing, there's no wrestling happening here and no they're not involved in any stories or anything like that so they're really not being that much used Kalisto again he's missing Sin Cara he's just by himself he's a little Spanish guy he's just not or Mexican luchador whatever the hell he is not doing much Victor and Connor in the Ascension again another tag team that eh, I could do without I don't care oh Sin Cara's in this all right okay so Sin Cara and Kalisto are in it great who cares all right, so that's the 30-man 30, 30 uh, Battle Royal Andre the Giant Memorial. Uh, I, I'll watch it. I mean, it's probably going to be a quick pre-show match. Um, I, don't, I don't really have many feelings about it. Alexa Bliss versus the SmackDown for the SmackDown Live Women's roster. Uh, she's facing the entire roster for the Women's Championship. And whoever, I don't know how, what kind of match this is, but whoever wins, I guess, gets the belt. I'm hoping Naomi gets it. I don't like any of the other women in SmackDown, to be honest. Natalia's so old. I mean, get the hell out of there. And Mickey James, what did what'd you bring her back for? Who cares? She's old. She, she's ugly as sin. And she has, like, this big pot belly. It's just so, ugh, go away. I, I even started liking Carmelo because all the other girls are just sucky. Alexa Bliss, just get the hell out of here. All right, enough of her, because I don't care about her. Neville and Austin Ari, Austin Aries. The Cruiserweight Championship, again, is in the pre-show, so uh, I'm probably not going to watch that. I don't even watch any of the Cruiserweight stuff anymore. It's just, it's not worth the time. And the only person that I like in it is Jack Gallagher, and he's just a little quirky English guy. He doesn't, you know, he's a good wrestler too, but I just, I don't know, their stories are just falling flat for me. Uh, next we have Dean, well, these aren't in order. These are just in order of Nesson's top ranking, I guess, for WrestleMania. So next is Dean Ambrose and Baron Corbin for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really care about this either. I never really liked Dean Ambrose. Um, Baron Corbin, again, he's boring. He doesn't have much of a thing going on. He won the Andre the Giant Memorial last year, but eh. I'm sure that'll be just a regular match. It's nothing exciting going on. We have Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson versus, this is a tag team match, Enzo Amore and Big Cass and Sheamus and Cesaro for the Raw, ta ugh, Raw Tag Team Championship ladder match. Oh, I like that. Um, this, ooh, they're saying they might have the Hardy Boys come show up in this, but I really hardly doubt that. Um... I don't know. They could. That that would be cool. I mean, I want the Hardy Boys back. Um, but I really... So, I think for this match, Sheamus and Cesaro should get the belt, but I know Enzo and Big Cass are going to get it finally. They haven't... I don't think they've had the belt yet. So, that's probably what they're going to do. Um, hopefully, the Hardy Boys show up and just slaughter them after they win their belt, so just no one cares anyways. I'm over Enzo and Big Cast. They get it. They have a big shtick. They do the whole 
uh, my name is Enzo Amore and uh, certified G bullfight stuff. No one cares, okay? You don't have to say it every time. I mean, I get it. You have to now because people are obsessed with you and there's kids that are involved and they love it. But I'm over it. I wish they would maybe turn heel at this point. I don't really know. I mean, they need to do something a little different. All right, next we have for the Raw Women's Championship, Bailey versus Sasha Banks versus Charlotte Flair versus Nia Jax. Oof. Uh, I don't, again, I don't, I don't know if I care who wins this. Bailey has the the, uh, the championship right now. She's a face. She's all happy go lucky. Sasha, I'm over her. She should have stayed heel. I don't really like her now. And Charlotte, I really do like Charlotte now. I hated Charlotte at the beginning, but now she just makes a really good heel, and she's good on the mic for the most part, even though people don't listen to her. But I think she probably might get the belt. Maybe Sasha, but I don't think Bailey's keeping it. Nia Jax doesn't have a chance. She's just a huge bitch. She's a Samoan bitch. She doesn't fit into her tights. It's just disgusting, but there she is anyways. Next, we have Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton for the WWE Championship from SmackDown. Oh, I don't care about this one either. Wow, these aren't really hitting home for me. Um, Bray Wyatt, I liked him in the beginning. I don't really like watching him wrestle it's not really getting anywhere or Randy Orton same thing he's been here forever I mean he's not a John Cena he doesn't do that much on the mic he's not very intimidating he's a I guess he's not even a heel anymore he's a face so I don't know I mean people like him probably because he used to be great so I don't know who will win that I guess Randy Orton can have the belt for like the fucking 16th time or whatever the hell it is and we have Triple H versus Seth Rollins which will probably be my well, my second favorite match. Uh, this is after Rollins had that knee injury, still playing on it. I don't really understand how they expect him to go into WrestleMania full-fledged wrestling, not pretending his knee hurts. Because every Raw, he has had crutches and pulling off the knee thing, which we know he, he's all fine and good, obviously. He's going to WrestleMania, but like, it's very weird that they're playing on this still. And I'm sure Samoa Joe will just show up and ruin it or whatever the hell he does, but... I'm also over that story. I don't really care, but uh, Triple H needs to just stop already. He's just too old at this point. I don't need to see him shirtless, honestly. I, Seth Rollins is one thing, but like he could have faced anyone else. I wish he was going for a belt, but oh well. Hopefully that's a good match. I think Seth Rollins will win, but it could be. I don't even think it might be a no DQ match, so who knows? That might be good. Uh, the next one is ooh, probably the one I'm looking forward to most is John Cena and Nikki Bella versus The Miz and Maurice. It's a tag team match. Uh, mixed, obviously. Uh, it was funny because uh, Miz and Maurice were doing a Total Bellas spoof last week on SmackDown. And it was amazing. Like It was a long-ass uh, skit of like her being the twins and him being John and <laughs> living in their house. and It's just so funny. You got to go check it out if you're a fan. Uh, but I think ooh, I think John and Nikki are going to win this one and some sort of thing is going to go on. I, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to propose marriage or some shit like that, but something crazy is going to happen, I'm sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to this match. We don't get a whole lot of mixed tag team matches, and now these are couples going against each other. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And uh, John Cena really like did a really good promo last SmackDown, so I'm really pumped for that one. Then we have Shane McMahon versus AJ Styles. Again, Shane needs to just stop already. How old is he? It says 
47. 47 he's wrestling, which doesn't seem old, but he doesn't look good. And I'm pretty sure he hurt himself last time he was in WrestleMania, and he's still going back. I don't know why AJ Styles has to go against Shane McMahon. AJ Styles does not need a push. He is fully over. I mean, he's a heel now, which I'm not a fan of, actually. I really hoped he would stay face a while, but he needs to do something different. He's been with these old timers and doing, like, he started with Chris Jericho, and it's just not Shane McMahon and AJ Styles I'm just not excited about. I mean, we'll see what happens, but... I don't know. I guess AJ Styles is going to win that one. I hope to God Shane isn't winning that one because he just doesn't deserve it at this point. Uh, we have ugh, we have Bill Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. It'll probably be another 20-second match just like the last one. This is for the Universal Championship, by the way, too. If Brock Lesnar gets that, I'm, I don't know. I don't think Goldberg should have it anyways, but <sighs> I guess... Brock Lesnar is going to win this one and Goldberg will finally be able to retire or something. I don't know. I just hope he's done because uh, he's so old. He's been out of the thing for friggin' like 20 years or something. It's ridiculous. And I, I get it. You wanted to come back, but I'm pretty sure he like pulled some strings just to get back for a few months. And it's just not good. I mean, he almost knocked himself out trying to do his entrance. He just knocked his head on the door, started bleeding everywhere. He went like dizzy for a little while he doesn't even know what he's saying on the mic it's just not good every time that comes on raw i just skip it it's usually at the end too so i just don't even bother Ugh, i don't know i'm not excited about that either uh then we have chris jericho versus kevin owens for the united states championship uh yeah i'm all, i'm already i'm pretty excited for this one uh, just because i used to like kevin owens i don't like him a whole lot but chris jericho is just amazing he's always good on the mic he's always funny he has a good podcast actually but um, this will be, it's for the United States Championship, so I don't know, Chris Jericho has it now, I, I think Kevin Owens might get the belt, uh, Chris Jericho likes to go on some, like, you know, leaves sometimes, he goes on tour with his band, that might be what happens, but, uh, I don't know, I guess that might be good, they used to be friends, like, best friends, that was their thing, and now they, uh, Kevin Owens turned on him, I don't know, I guess Chris Jericho's the face of this match i mean that's kind of weird because chris jericho makes a great heel but kevin owens doesn't make anything but heel so that only makes sense so my bet is with kevin owens winning the united states championship on that um and then the last one is oh what everybody's probably not looking forward to and it's probably going to close out uh, i don't know it might close out the wrestlemania which sucks i don't get how roman reigns is main eventing so many things but it's the Undertaker versus Roman Reigns, and um, I don't care. I really don't. Undertaker just needs to hang up his boots or whatever the hell he does, put his hat on the rack. Like, just stop. <laughs> Why is Roman Reigns taking on the Undertaker? Oh, whose dick is he sucking to get all these fucking matches? And can Roman Reigns just turn heel already? Because I can't take it. He's not good on the mic. He's thinks he's a badass so he's not really playing face he's not really playing heel he's just middleman doing the upper management thing and like doing everything he's told to do like come on man just like get some personality in it be creative undertaker's gonna take 20 minutes to get to the ring anyways so who the hell knows roman will just be sitting there probably asleep probably just leave the ring at some point i don't even know what kind of match this is uh, I there's nothing exciting about it so um I guess everyone's thinking he's going to turn heel, but who knows? Maybe someone else will come in. I don't really know. I hope they do something exciting. 
I need some different stuff here, man. I don't know. There needs to be some exciting stuff thrown into this WrestleMania. So yeah, that's uh that's all the matches we have for uh WrestleMania this Sunday. I'm pretty excited for a few of them and some of them I'd rather not watch at all. Um anyone have any uh interest in this you can just post in the group and uh talk to me about it because I'm clearly the only one interested in wrestling at this point. Uh not a whole lot of uh people I know are willing to talk about wrestling let alone hear me talk about it. Um, but Nikki Bell is my favorite. Seth Rollins, my second favorite. What else? Oh shit. I only took 15 minutes talking about WrestleMania. Hmm. What else could I talk about? Um, let's see. Oh yeah, uh, Morrow from SmackDown has been gone the past few weeks. I guess he has like depression or something, so he's been gone. And, uh, Tom something or other Phillips, he's been filling in. He's just not as exciting as usual. And JBL's like sleeping all the time. JBL and Michael Cole made the perfect team and with uh, Byron Saxon they were all funny together. They played off each other and now this new split brand with the different announcers. I'm just not having it. I'm not really a fan of it. I wish they would just uh, I don't know. I guess I wish they had both announcers at both places. I know they can't do that but that'd be nice. Uh, what else is happening on here? Ooh, I don't know. That's all. It's a lot of matches. I mean, it's WrestleMania. Obviously, there's a lot of matches. But oh, guest ring announcer Al Roker for Roker for uh, the N the Miz and Maurice and John Cena and Nikki Bella tag team. Why why do we need Al Roker to host that? Oh, and New Day's hosting the entire WrestleMania. New Day. Yeah, yeah. They're not wrestling, even though they're like the top tag team right now. I don't know how you host WrestleMania. What do you do? Just plop in every few seconds, make a joke, and then leave? Well, they they're not announcing people, because what fucking the curly-haired bitch does that? I don't get that. I guess we'll see how that goes. And Mick Foley was fired. Who the hell fires Mick Foley? And what the hell? And why'd they do that before WrestleMania? He wasn't going to be in it anyways. He wasn't going to show up. Or maybe he will now. I don't know. Maybe he just needed time off to go to Santa's Village this summer. I don't fucking know. It's fucking weird. Ugh. Uh, everyone should check out the video for uh, the new KFC golden stuff that they did. What was it? Oh, fuck. I can't remember. Paw something. Southpaw Wrestling. There's like four videos on YouTube. They're like nine minutes each. But there's like just par not parodies. Um, Skits of like all these wrestlers dressed as different wrestlers. And it's old timey. They really did a good job on editing it and making it look like it was really old like VHS style. It's really awesome. It's so funny. So everyone should go check that out. Um, I guess I'll... I don't know if I'm going to update my Facebook while I'm watching this. Maybe if I am interested and I'll see if anyone else wants to comment on it. Uh, if you have any uh, opinions or anything, you can post them in the group, the Mouse Rants group. And um, I hope you liked uh, listening to my shitty <laughs> review of WrestleMania. And uh, my fangirling about these people. They're all in Orlando this week. So there's probably a bunch of them I heard that uh, like uh, Rusev and a couple other people or something went to Universal that today. I mean, if I was in friggin' Disney right now, I'd be able to see wrestlers in Disney. I could go on. I wasn't going to go to Universal anyways, let's be honest. But uh, like seeing Seth Rollins in Disney might just make my dreams come true, to be honest. And Nikki Bell is not ever going there because she doesn't give a shit. 
but you know, Zack Ryder's always there, but he's not even wrestling at this point, so he's probably just like staying in Orlando all the time. I don't know, that would have been fun. So if it ever goes back to Orlando, I'm definitely going. Uh, WrestleMania next year is at New Orleans. Uh, I think it's the Saints Stadium or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, I might go to that. I don't know. It's expensive and New Orleans doesn't really tickle my fancy, so we'll see. Uh, I think that's it for wrestling talk right now. If I, uh, if I need any follow-up, just, uh, I'll post it in the group, but <laughs> no one will answer and then I'll probably get deleted, so... Um, just post any opinions on my, uh, rantings here that no one absolutely doesn't give a shit about. And, uh, by the way, this is going to be out way after WrestleMania, so we'll even know if my fucking fortunes came true about these matches. Not that it matters at all whatsoever. No one cares. Go WWE, woo, uh, and HBK is going to be at WrestleMania as well, just so everybody knows. You want to check out the Heartbreak Kid. I'm just a sexy boy. Alright, that's enough. Alright, I'm cutting it off. Bye-bye. Okay, so uh, for those of you that are here, I came on a few minutes early. 
Um, this is going to be a live reading of Rastinanti by Kevin J. Kessler, who is me. Uh, and we are going to do a live reading of the prologue. And I figured I'd start it early so that we can, you know, kind of build up a audience here. And, um, you know, we will start the reading at 9.30, but I'll give just a few minutes for you guys to pop in. If anyone's in here and want to say hi, jaw jack, interact a little bit, you know, please, you know, sound off in the comments and I will respond to them. Uh, but yeah, for now, uh, in three minutes, we will get started. And we'll let people filter in a little bit. Um, so first time doing this, um, hopefully not the last. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, we will, um, you know, if it goes well, do it more. You know, read more of the book or um, maybe something from Decimation of Cassid or even upcoming Wrath of the Faithful, which releases on May the 16th. So uh Yep, there's that. So, who's in here right now? Uh, let me know you're here. Let me know you're watching or you're excited or don't know why I'm doing this. Just tell, you know, just sound off and let me know. Um, so, we got about two minutes, uh, under two minutes before we get started. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, this is um, kind of my writing nook uh, for those of you that have ever wondered. Um, this is where I read, it's where I write, I have my chair here, my lamp, which looks like the center of the sun, uh, glaring in at me from the left. I gotta see what I can do about that for next time, but, um, and then, you know, the window, which looks out into the night sky of Florida right now. Hey, Nikki, thank you. Nikki is also a wonderful author from, uh, Lavish Publishing, so you guys should definitely check her out and her books as well. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's uh, all right. So we're under a minute now. So we will, once that clock, my clock anyway, is what we're going by. Once that hits nine thirty, we'll be all set to go. So longest minute in the world, but we're doing it. Let's see if I can see who is here. Nope, I cannot see who's here. I can only go by what you guys tell me. So all right. So I'm just going to get started with a little intro here. Uh, so for those of you just joining in, my name is Kevin J. Kessler. I am an author of fantasy, action, adventure, uh, young adult, uh, hey Chels, uh, fantasy, action, adventure, young adult novels. We are tonight going to be reading an excerpt from my first novel, my debut, which came out in December of last year, called Rocinante, which is book one of the Rocinante series. Um, Rocinante is set in a medieval steampunk world. It has, um, oh, hey Sarah, uh, it has magic and dragons and shifters and, you know, if you guys love any of those things, if you love large-scale battles, you know, uh, characters that you really get to know and spend some time with to get into their heads, this is definitely the book for you. It's currently available on Amazon.com. If you look for Rossinanti or look for my name, Kevin J. Kessler, you will find it, uh, along with the follow-up novella, Decimation of Cassett, Rossinanti, Wrath of the Faithful, which is the second full-length novel in the series, is coming out May the 16th, pre-order now for just 99 cents on Kindle. Uh, it will also be available in paperback like this. These paperbacks are $12.99. Um, okay, so we're here. Let's get started. So we're going to read the prologue today, and if that goes well, um, we will move on to you know, a little bit of maybe the first little part of chapter one, maybe the little Orax part. So, all right, here we go. <clears throat> 
thank you, Nikki. I for saying it's a great idea. I Andy Pelequin is the one who I stole it from, so feel free to steal it from me. Um, here we go. Prologue. Pain seared through his faded consciousness, reminding him to breathe. He would have fallen to death's embrace had it not been for the searing grip of agony. Still, however barely, he clung to life. It took considerable effort to open his heavy-lidded eyes, their weight monumental to bear in the wake of the thrashing he had endured. Through the haze of blood and dizziness, the boy, barely old enough to call himself a man, took in what remained of his surroundings. What had once been a beautiful, crystalline cave now laid in fiery ruin. What had once been an enclosed structure, safeguarding its occupants against the powerful wind and snow that raged across the white landscape, now lay bare before the might of the elements. The cold did little to cool the angry burns scattered across the boy's flesh, now beginning to crack, ooze, and blacken. A cough ripped its way coarsely from his lungs as a slow birth of blood wound red rivulets down his arms and legs. The morbid flow pooled around him, warm and sticky against his skin as it spread along the snow and ice. The boy stared blankly at the frosted sky, resigned beneath a thickening blanket of falling snow. He turned and saw a tattered man, clad in long black robes, lying mutually prone to the stinging of the bitter wind. The boy's eyelids narrowed approvingly. The body showed no signs of life. At least I managed to do something properly before things got out of hand. His ego stirred as he examined the lifeless figure. It inspired the boy to move, but pain ripped through him with renewed intensity, and a gurgled howl leaped from his throat. He turned his head slowly to stare at his ruined right arm, now fallen listlessly at his side. He gazed at it with a grimace of dread. It more resembled that of an abused corkscrew than an arm, having snapped grossly at the elbow joint. Just beyond his outstretched hand lay a girl, clad in a blue dress that danced around the contrast of her silent body. While the lifelessness of the first figure filled him with accomplishment, this visage in blue startled his heart. How had he failed her so? The boy desperately tried to extend his ruined arm toward his companion, with tears spilling from his eyes, turning blood and grime to mud on his cheeks. His initial flutter of valiance was now gone. How had it come to this? Then, as if an answer to his silent angst, a low growl filled the air like the shifting of r I'm sorry, filled the air like the rumble of shifting rubble. Tearing his eyes from the girl, he struggled to lift his head, just enough to stare at the vision of death that hovered before him. The creature was inconceivably massive, with every bit from tip to tail of its... I'm sorry. With every bit of its body from tip to tail covered in red, rock-like scales. A pair of impressive wings extended outward, framing its enormity. Through the glowing miasma of snow, the boy could still see the creature's most defining figure, a pair of flame-red eyes. These were eyes the boy had known all too well and for far too long, eyes that haunted his waking and unconscious hours alike since childhood. Now, here he was, finally faced with them one more time, the last time. 
The beast reared back, its head whipping the air. As familiar as it was, the boy could still scarcely believe what he was to face. An actual dragon. The most ancient of enemies. Believed to have been extinct since time only known by popular fable. The crimson monstrosity slowly opened its massive mouth, rows of razor-sharp white teeth glinting in luminescence as a red glow began to gather at the back of its throat. Now would come the fire. Now would come the end. He had hoped should this moment ever come, he would face his death bravely. However, the gentle quaking of his intact limbs, coupled with sharp, frenzied intakes of breath, betrayed him. A medley of stark emotions accompanied his growing dread. Anger, disbelief, denial. The purveying emotion, however, despite his defiant wish, was sheer terror. He gritted his teeth, determined not to allow fear to continue to play out upon his face. Those murderous red orbs would not have the satisfaction of consuming his panic. Then... As the fiery glow flared from the dragon's massive maw, the boy heard his name spoken so softly he was almost sure his desperate mind had imagined it. Val? Oh, there we go. We're back. Sorry. I'll take it back with a sentence. The boy heard his name spoken so softly, he was almost sure his desperate mind had imagined it. Val? His head snapped to the side, seeing his companion slowly stir. She was alive after all, and now they were going to die together. The dragon's head darted forward, filling the air with stifling humidity before flames would burst forth to burn its victims to ash. Her weak fingers reached for him with agonizing slowness. Their hands crept closer together until he could feel the warmth of her skin against the pads of his fingertips. So tantalizingly close. If he could only touch her for one final moment, he could face his death a more complete person. But they were out of time. In this, his final moment... Fear mocked him from the shadows of his mind, as it always had these many years. Everything dies, Valentine. No flame can burn forever. That is the prologue of Rocinante by Kevin J. Kessler, available on Amazon.com. Um, Kindle book currently for $2.99, and uh, the paperback $12.99. Audiobook is currently in production, being read by me as well. So if you like hearing me read it now, you might like me hearing me read it, you know, in an audiobook. Um, if anyone wants me to read a little bit more, sound off, and I will do a few more pages. But if not, then um, we can end it here. I'm going to take a quick sip of my water. I don't know why I'm narrating what I'm doing, but... Um, Yeah, so, uh, just looking to see if I do a little bit more what it would be. Okay, you know what? I will do a little bit more. I will do a tiny bit of chapter one.
the will to live. I'm only going to do about like a page. So buckle up. Some a different character's point of view. So <clears throat> the world of Terra has been stolen. A single thought blazed through the mind of a brown-robed figure standing unfazed atop the frigid summit peak of a snow-covered mountain. From this commanding height, it was as if he stood astride the sky itself, gazing down upon the land of his ancestors with bitter regret. Terra has been stolen. His cold yellow eyes, ablaze with hate and disdain, locked on to the sight of a human city, grand and fat, nestled among the plains of the eastern continent. The humans called it Kakrita. A sneer cracked through the red skin of his face, bearing pointed yellow fangs. His frail, thin form began to shake with the strain of his rage. Thieves, he thought, clueless children fumbling about with a bauble they did not earn nor deserve. Soon, wretched humans, you will know fear and wrath and loss. You will know that the harbinger of your destruction was I, Orax, the ever-seeing. Were he to have his own way, Orax would see the human race violently cast down in a blood-plunged celebration of vengeance. On that day, his murderous glee would radiantly burn as he observed humanity being shredded between the claws of his compatriots. Humans would finally pay, and his kind had waited oh so long to collect upon this debt. Taking a deeply satisfying intake of breath, he turned his attention up toward the truest marvel he'd ever known. Even when not gazing at its radiance, Orax felt the planet's power in the breeze. Terra's true bounty was not found in its precious gemstones, lush crops, or any other tangible gift of its nature. Terra was magic. Above him, red, blue, red, uh, I'm sorry, purple, blue, red, and white strands of energy converged in a churning dance, swirling and melting together before disentangling once again to continue their respective solitary paths. At one time, his people controlled this energy and bent it to their will, gaining dominance of the world. However, the ability to control such primal force was soon discovered by their inferiors, and the world they had once tamed discovered its own power. Now humans wielded magic, and they used it to vanquish those who once forced them into subservience. Orax remember wa remembered watching the events of the Great Rocinante War unfold before his eyes. The humans brandished their newfound mysticism and battled in a swath of hellish vengeance before eradicating their ancient foe, the dragon race, the Rocinante. Since the final days of that historic conflict, Orax watched as the humans consolidated their power, erected vast cities, and spread unto the four corners of Terra. They continued to rely upon the planet's magical energy to strengthen and defend them. Has been stolen. He chuckled at the paranoia the Rocinante instilled within the hearts and minds of their destroyers. Humans lived in fear for an entire millennium, fully convinced the ancient evil would return and attack, stronger than ever. Over the centuries, the maddening terror represented by the once resurgent Rocinante dwindled into a distant paranoia, as familiar and yet little regarded as old wives' tales. This was good, 
A forgotten foe could benefit from an unexpected reappearance, a wraith striking from the shadowy recesses of history's forgotten lore. The sun set beyond the horizon as Orax watched the curtain of twilight slowly spread across the dome of blue sky, illuminated by the magical energy swirling through the impending darkness. As the final rays of light vanished, Orax sensed a dramatic shift in the planet's magical energy, cutting through the black of night and converging upon the mountain range around him. Almost instantly, he understood exactly what he had sensed and let out a short, humorless laugh. The foretold time had been fast approaching, but he had no idea it would begin so soon. There was no mistaking it. The key to the salvation and renewed dominance of his kin was forthcoming. To one attuned to such things, the signs were evident. The planet called to him, singing songs of the gift it was about to bestow. Salvation was coming. The Shogai would rise again. A broad smile crept along his thin lips. Stolen, he muttered, allowing, to win, allowing the wind to carry the word into the swirling incandescent sky. A resounding crack echoed throughout the otherwise empty region, accompanied by a blazing red burst of light. When the crimson smoke faded, he was gone. Silence fell upon the mountaintop once more. There's Ross and Annie, book one. Available on Amazon.com by searching for Ross and Auntie or just for uh, my name, Kevin J. Kessler. So there you go. That's it. It's available in ebook and paperback. Thank you guys for watching tonight. I would like to do this as a weekly thing, so maybe next week we can do it uh, again, and possibly we will do it in my um, my group, which is uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash Ross and Auntie, which is R O S. I-N-A-N-T-I. So if you want to join over there, uh, that will probably be where the next one will go. And pause. Um, yeah, if she wants three, I can get you three. So, um, all right. Thank you. And uh, we will, uh, I'll talk to you guys later. If you liked it, shoot me a message. Um, let me know. So thanks so much for watching. Bye. Hello, race fans! I'm going to be reciting a little bit of NASCAR knowledge for all of you out there today. Don't like it? Take your Bud Light and get the hell out of here. Please welcome your Grand Marshal from the upcoming Disney Pixar film Cars 3, opening in theaters this June, the voice of Lightning McQueen, Owen Wilson. Drivers, start your engines! America, it's time for a gut check. 
If the founding fathers saw us settled around in our little cocoons texting each other smiley faces, they'd hang their powdered wigs in shame. When our idea of danger is eating gluten, there's trouble afoot. Yes, we the people have gotten soft, and all the likes in the world aren't going to save us now. But one thing will. Welcome to the place where we speed all day, where we bump and grind in a non-sexual way, where scores are settled and we break the rules and everybody's got a set of badass tools. Get some NASCAR in your life. Hello, glory. Goodbye, strife. Welcome to the place that we call home, where meats are grilled and you can bring your own, where everyone's welcome and we all belong, even my friend and his American flag thong. Come get some NASCAR in your life. So hug your kids and kiss your wife. You want Billy and Sally to learn about math and science? Send them to the school of NASCAR. They'll thank you for it. Sure, everybody at NASCAR gets a trophy, as long as they win the fucking race. Do you know that less... Then 10 miles from Sonoma Raceway, you can go wine tasting? True story. Get some NASCAR in your life. Slap some butter on your knife. Welcome to the place where your beast is freed, like the rubber hooves of a tire stampede, where men and women compete together, just like they did back in the 18-nevers. 200 miles per freaking hour. 700 freaking horse freaking power. Neck and neck, the battle's down to this last stretch, and Offerman takes Harvick to the checkered flag. That's Harvick, Logano, Hamlin, and Newman. Kozlowski, Dale Jr., they're all superhuman. Jeff Gordon, Carl Edwards, Matt Kenseth, the Bushes, and maybe Jimmy Johnson will come back and kick some tookus. Hello, Glory. Goodbye, Strife. You've got NASCAR in your life. Now, I'm sure there are some of you who are like, why the hell is she talking about NASCAR? But to bring it on back, NASCAR is just like Ohana. People go to Disney to be included in a group. People go to sporting events to be included in a group. NASCAR is a sport, but it's also a family. I tent camp at NASCAR, I drive all over the country to go to NASCAR, and the people there cannot be beat, just like my Disney friends. So I thought I would let all of you into another part of my life that involves Disney Ohana, but in a different sense where we watch really loud cars drive around in a circle. Might as well just go for it. Here are some facts about NASCAR that I'm sure you definitely don't know about. <laughs> Uh, NASCAR is the main governing body for stock car racing in the United States. Stock cars are cars that are production, that are or fitted out to be raced on a track or sometimes on open dirt, if that's how your car is fitted for. But NASCAR is strictly asphalt or cement tracks. Um, a stock car's engine allows it to reach speeds of 200 miles per hour. I don't think any of you motherfuckers have driven 200 miles per hour. Let's be real. Uh, most of the tracks are held on asphalt, but they can go from a half, an eighth of a mile to two and three-fifths of a mile. That's kind of a ridiculous situation, but three series. There's the Monster Energy Series, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck Series. Truck racing is insane. If you've never seen it, I highly recommend you watch it at least once. It is crazy to watch trucks drive in a circle. <laughs> uh, restrictor plate races are Races where they slow the cars down because they don't want them going too fast, like Talladega and Daytona. Um, NASCAR has a bunch of different rules and stuff. This year they switched to 
stages for their races, which I think is absolute garbage. But anyway, Richard Petty has the most career wins of any racer with 200. He is known as the king. And if you know Disney cars, the king that they refer to is Richard Petty in car form. <laughs> um, there were no Dynaco helicopters involved in regular NASCAR. I don't think other than the racers having their own helicopters, there are very many helicopters in NASCAR. But um, my driver, Jimmy Johnson, is now going for his eighth championship, which will be insane if he gets it. Jimmy Johnson is the only NASCAR Cup Series driver to win five consecutive championships in a row. So with the championship from Jimmy Johnson, Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt Sr., and Jimmy Johnson are now tied for the most Cup championships with seven. So... I don't usually talk about NASCAR and things because most people are not interested, but I am here to tell you that if you enjoy tailgating, if you like camping, if you like seeing things that you don't see on a regular basis, like cars flipping upside down or catching on fire or people going 200 miles an hour, I highly recommend you check out your local NASCAR race. It's very cheap, very exciting, and... I just did an entire commercial for NASCAR pretty much, so you better go at least watch a race on TV. Most Sundays on regular cable channels and like Fox, um, TBS has NASCAR. You can watch them on the YouTube channel the, le the week after. So I know it takes four hours and I understand that, but if you like drinking and sitting, you will like NASCAR, I promise.
in um, foreign countries. I worked hard, and um, in four days, I sold 500 something thousand copies of my record worldwide. So um, this, all this, you know, hard work paid off, and everybody's been working their butt off, and I'm really proud. And I'm really proud that I haven't freaked out and that I'm not about to die right now. Because one time when I went to Japan, um, we were there for two weeks. and Or, no, actually, I was there for eight days. You hate me and go, Avril makes me sick. She thinks she's punk, blah, 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 blah. And it's like I never once ever called myself punk to anybody. Maybe I have an attitude and I have a lot more edge to myself than a lot of other artists out there do. And media sees that and takes that and calls it punk. Because what punk is, is punk is a little delinquent. Punk is so much that, you know, right now, at this moment, I'm not going to get into. But I'm not a punk rocker. I don't have punk music. Maybe I have some punk characteristics about me. That, did I say that properly? Yeah. Yeah, maybe I have some punk characteristics about me, but I don't walk around calling myself punk. It's more punk to tell people you're not punk than to sit there and say that you are punk. And whatever. I, if you, if you want to know what I think that I am, I think that I'm just a rock chick. And I like to rock out. I like to throw shit around. I like to go nuts. I like to lose myself on stage. I like to scream. I like to holler. I like to break things. I like to yell. I like to get my anger out. And you know what? Everyone has their own opinion on everybody. But I'm not the one who went out there and, and um, called myself punk and skater and and so many people look at that and read that and think oh my god she's so fake and I, I totally understand why because if I saw Avril Lavigne's face everywhere and skater punk everywhere I'd be like she's so fake she, she can't even skateboard she's not punk what are they talking about I totally think that so I understand where everybody comes from but what everybody needs to understand is that's not me who did that and that's why I'm going to sit here and ramble on because I need people to understand that. I'm going to have people through this DVD get to know who I really am and what, how messed up this business is and what it feels like to be in my shoes. And I'm going to go through and, um, you know... I, right now, I don't particularly like the image that's out there of me right now. It's too pop. Everything just blew up so fast. It's like, the whole Thai thing just became too much. Everybody just expected me to show up with spikes on my wrists and a tank top and a tie and, and stripes everywhere I went. And it started to make me mad because... Wasn't that your image? Wasn't that your idea at first? First of all, yeah, I was the one who came up with my own style. I pick my own clothes. Um, yeah, maybe I have a stylist that's 
but I don't consider her to be a stylist. I consider her, Stephanie is really cool. I love her. I just consider her, you know, she's someone who I tell her, yeah, I want, I want to wear, I need a pair of black tickies, size, spent eight days in Japan. Literally every single morning, woke up, threw my clothes on, went upstairs to the hotel slash conference room, and, and sat in a room and went back and forth between the two rooms doing all these interviews, all these photo shoots, TV, magazines, radio, and and then I'd have a short break, go to my room, crash in my bed, order room service, go back up until about 8 o'clock at night, go back to my room, stressed, and do it the next morning, over and over and over and over and over. And all I can remember saying in all my interviews is, yeah, it's really great to be here. It's really great that I'm making it worldwide and that I've never been to this country and blah, 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 blah. And he's saying the same thing over and over and over, which I was really thankful for. But after, it was like, when someone asks you that question, it's like, what pisses you off the most? Cops. I hate them. We represent everything they're against. What do you represent? Pretty much doing what we want to do. The unique thing about them is they dress all different. Uh, there's not one set dress that the way the punk rockers dress, um, but one thing is unique that whatever it is, they, how they dress, is going to be something that's going to catch your eye. Who made your jacket? Me. How long that take? A couple years. That's what they're looking for is the attention that they haven't had, I think, when they were growing up. Um, that's with the hair sticking up, uh, maybe the mohawk with the red color or the purple coloring, uh, the nose piercing, all the different piercing, the tattoos. Because they're a bunch of fascist ass cracks, they can suck my dick again, part two even. The cops don't do anything good except fucking harass us every day. They're so corrupt. They're so damn corrupt. Only beat up by the cops one time? No, about three times. Different precincts, so like they'll put the handcuffs on it and you'll be right there and they'll like squeeze them, like squeeze it, so like... The handcuffs? Yeah, I, I, once I didn't feel my, my thumb for about a week. They put a phone book over my face and hit me with a club. And they're assholes. And they stole all my, they stole my leather jacket and all my clothes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, there's supposed to be a certain area where we had to hang out at. And, and then one cop's like, yeah, why don't you try the city zoo? And I'm like, fuck. There's so many screwed up things going on, like this culture of take everything and waste it all. And you don't need love, you don't need family, you don't need friends, you don't need anybody, you just need money, you just need things to make you happy. But punk rockers don't think that way. They see things in a different light than, you know, someone that lives in front of the TV or borrows daddy's BMW to go, you know, to the store to buy a new blouse because I'm sad. What are some of the causes that you've been asked to raise money for? To help build a rape crisis center. Okay. A we do a lot of organization for women. Yeah, women's shelters for abused women, uh, AIDS research. Did some guy need his rent paid and wanted to benefit from oh, that. Was, well, that was at a, yeah, we've, done, we've helped pay that people's Eric, rent. Uh, Protest to go on to help defend this doctor's house in a local clinic that gave abortions. Phil and I rounded up like 30 to 40 punks in a whole bunch of different vans, and we all drove across town to the clinic. And all the people that were there already were just like, whoa, because there's 40 punk rockers just jumping out of vans ready to like 
defend the clinic. Once we played a show in Denver, the cops came and started beating up this little punk rock girl that was like 14 years old. So all of her friends jumped the cops and started beating the fuck out of the cops. They started smashing their glasses. They started smashing them on the ground. They were bleeding. The cops wanted us to go to court. And we said, fuck you, we're not going to court to testify you. No way. We're like, well, can we play one more song? And they're like, yeah, so we played the song Death to All the Pigs. Punk is getting to have bigger audiences or smaller or what right now? Well, real punk is getting smaller audiences and uh, like the sellout stuff is getting bigger audiences. The most that we've been able to play for is probably 300, maybe. Okay. You know. And the least? When you've done a show, the least people that were ever there? Two. <laughs> What if some record company came and tried to sign you and give you a bunch of money? And how do you feel about that? Mm, I mean, it's it's iffy. You know, am I going to be their puppet or am I going to be able to, to, you know? Money can't be an issue. Yeah, money's not not what I'm concerned with. What I'm concerned with is, am I going to be able to say what I want? What I want to say isn't going to be playable on MTV. I get more of a jolly, you know, off of, uh, you know, walking down the street seeing some kid I don't even know and hearing him sing lyrics to my song, you know, and that's, that, that's like way more cool than probably ever seeing myself on MTV would right, ever Scott's be. Back the, the major labels and, and, and the MTV and the, and the radio stations, they're afraid of this stuff, you know? It's volatile, it's like volatile chemicals, you know? Well, Mixing with TV. kids, it's gonna blow up. But, uh, I like the audience reaction. <laughs> Beat up. Where's she at? She's okay. So they kicked her out. Where's she at? She's outside. There's something about when a woman comes, you know, is like showing that that tough side of her that really turns me on. You know, that's surprising. I would think that you'd like these wimpy chicks, you know? No, I like I like tough chicks. Huh. I'm shocked. You know, my girlfriend. She's, yeah, that little girlfriend you got now seems kind of like a puff. No, actually, she's she's got a uh, real, you know, she's she got, she's got a little bit of a tougher side in her than I do, you know. She does. Yeah, I really think it would be better off if uh, the world was run by women. If I had a daughter, I would I would love it if she was a lesbian because I don't trust guys and I I trust women a little bit more. See, I love a strong woman and I love to see a woman like over me, you know. You do? Yeah, she can kick my ass, man. I can fall in love. This group of villagers from the back of the green rat.
CD has nothing good to fucking say about it, and I don't know fucking why. It makes no fucking sense. Listen, the story time, people. <laughs> the first time I ever saw played anything with a fucking Sega CD was I don't know. I was a kid. I walked in the fucking Funko Land. For those of you who don't know, who fucking Funko Land is who? Wow, like it's a fucking person. No, who don't know what Funko Land is? It's basically GameStop before there was GameStop. It's a place where you can buy games for an exorbitantly high amount and, you know, basically retail value. And they'll you'll sell it or they'll buy it back from you for like a fraction of that cost. If there was an eBay at that time, people would have paid more on eBay, just like now, <laughs> than they would at any fucking GameStop. Anyway, I fucking digress. Walked into fucking Funko Land... I guess my mom was somewhere else. She must have gone to like the one of the stores. I was a kid, but you know, it's like a, it was like a fucking strip mall, kind of an outdoor strip mall. So she probably went like next door to some do something, and I fucking walked into Funko Land and uh, started to what I would normally do: look at the games. Sometimes even play them if they had them on display. Well, they did have a game on display that day that nobody was touching, but it looked fucking cool. It was like a cartoon. And let me tell you, I had an Apple growing up, which means I didn't play many PC games. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the reason I'm saying that is because this game that I'm about to talk about now, if you know, I don't fuck up my words, um, this game was originally a PC game, but I wouldn't have known that because on the Apple, you had a very limited amount of games that you could choose from. I mean, a very limited amount. They, you know, it wasn't four games. It wasn't, that's one of the reasons I fucking hate Apple. That's one of the fucking reasons. Because of my childhood almost being destroyed. When I was older and was able to get a PC and started realizing some of these older games, I was like, oh, shit, I fucking love it. Well, this would have been one of them and eventually was, but I got to see it on the Sega CD, and that's what this was if you fucking didn't get it by now. And they were basically... I guess, you know, displaying this game called The Adventures of Willie Beamish. Now, The Adventures of Willie Beamish is like it's like a an animated uh, 
it's like an adventure game, but it's got animated scenes and it's got other things and what have you. Basically, it's fucking an adventure game. Let's just keep it with that. But it had dialogue. I'm talking people fucking talking to you. And you didn't get that on the Super Nintendo. You didn't get that on the Sega Genesis. The most you had was like, Big Earl, Big Earl, Big Earl, Toe Jam, Toe Jam. Toe Jam and Earl being a Sega Genesis game. I'm only saying that because the Sega CD would attach to the Genesis. But... The Adventures of Willie Beamish was a fucking long game. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go in, I'm going to play a platformer, I'm going to get a password. No. You had saves. It was basically like a fucking computer. And I sat there for about a half hour playing this game and having so much fucking fun. Basically, you were a kid who was like, kind of like a Bart Simpson type, right? But like a human. I mean, Bart's, I don't know what the Simpsons are, but they ain't human. Um, a regular kid who's like, a, you know, he's got a fucking... Uh, what do you call it? A bad streak in him. He's not a piece of shit, and he's not a bully. In fact, he has a bully that you have to deal with. But he's, you know, he's not a really great person. He's kind of a dick. Anyway, Willie Beamish fucking starts in school, and he's trying to get out of school to go home because, of course, kids want to go home, and he wants to play Nintari, which was, uh, you know, the fake video in-world video game system. And that was fucking cool. And it, there was different options. Basically, you have to listen to them talk and talk and talk. And then you get to say, you know, you get to choose from one of three things. Like an adventure game. Now, at the time, I was able to play things like King's Quest and Space Quest and all that. But not really the chalky games, the CD-ROM games. I didn't really have that. So hearing them actually be spoken, being able to select a phrase to say was really fucking cool. Um, and then, you know, there's all these different options that could happen. You could fucking lose by going to military school. You know, just don't do the shittiest fucking thing possible, and you will make it pretty far. So that's the first time I saw Sega CD. I told my mom, I got to fucking buy this. I need this system. So I saved up allowances, and I saved up everything I could buy. I need this fucking system because of this fucking game. I assume this fucking game is out. The system must be awesome. Now, I got the system. And a bunch of games with it, probably for birthdays or whatever. I think I, I was like, okay, this year for my birthday, all I want is Sega CD shit. That's all I want. <laughs> because, you know, you have to buy each fucking individual game. They cost like $50 each. So, you know, you go through all your family members. You make your list back when you are a kid. And that was my list. I, was like, I want all these Sega CD games. I don't care about anything else. You know, and it was hit or miss. There are some games that were like, oh, man, why did I buy this? And there were some that you were like, fuck yeah. I remember I had a fucking... Um, what was it? I'll sit here and fucking think. I don't give a fuck. What fucking game was it? I had a, um, like a music video game. It was awful. It was for fucking that guy, Marky Mark, that guy. Like, he's nobody now, apparently, right? No, yes, Mark Wahlberg. Blah, can't think. There was a game for Marky Mark. It was like, make my video. And, like, you had to make a music video. And then, like... Yep, <laughs> that's really what it was, because you make a music video and then nothing happens. There's no points, there's no you win, there's no you lose. It's just you make a fucking music video. Whoop-de-fucking-do, people. Whoop-de-fucking-do. So there were games like that, but, but, there were games like Lunar, the Silver Star, and then a sequel, Lunar Eternal Blue. Role-playing games, RPGs, loved them. Great games. Again, talking, it was really fucking cool to hear the voices come out. You don't understand, at the time... It was fucking awesome to hear the voices coming out of the fucking people. Like, you didn't hear that yet. 
So that was fucking cool. The game it came with was called Sewer Shark, which I we I think I've talked about the Adventures of the Magic Kingdom before, but there was basically a part in Adventures of the Magic Kingdom where you're in Space Mountain, and to get past the board, you have to, like, it, it tells you which way to go, but really quickly it flashes. Kind of like a Dragon's Lair, how, you know, it really quickly flashes which direction. If you don't hit it quick enough, you die. Fucking the biggest quarter eater besides Gauntlet. I'm telling you, it's crazy. And you want to keep going. Once you memorize the whole thing, you don't want to fucking play again. Well, that's Sewer Shark. It's the same thing, except every fucking twist and turn looks the same. There's nothing special about it. It's, it's shit. It's a shitty game. But it's fun. In the, in the respect that you think something is going to happen, but then when you realize nothing is going to happen, you're always going to be in a sewer, and it's like, go right, go left, go up, go down, hit a button, go left, go right, go up, go down, hit a button, hit a button, hit a button, go left, hit a button, hit a button, go right, go right, go right, up, up, down, 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 up, 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 down, right, right, turn right, turn right, turn left, left, A, 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 you get the fucking picture. That was Sewer Shark. Fuck Sewer Shark. But there were great games on it. There were. And one of the best fucking games that people seem to have a problem with was Night Trap. Now, Night Trap and uh, Double Switch, which Double Switch was with Corey Haim. These both have... That was a cool thing about Sega City is they're like, we'll put some celebrities in the games. And they did. Everything was pretty much FMV-based. Based. FMV-based. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, FMV stands for Full Motion Video. Um, so there was a shit ton of just like, let's watch a long, long cutscene and then like do something. And then watch another long, long cutscene and then do something. For those of you who like Sierra games, Phantasmagoria, it was like a super FMV game. That was like a big one. Uh, Seventh Guest, all those games around that time were FMV games. Where it was They would actually have actors doing all the cutscenes. Um, and then you have to manipulate something either before, after, or sometimes even during it. Uh, that, I like that during it section there. Um, and those are games like, uh, I don't know, fucking, well, I guess Sewer Shark, really, because you're manipulating your fucking ship to go around as the game goes on. It's not like, here's a cutscene, do something. Here's a cutscene, do something. Here's a cutscene, you get the fucking point again. You see what I'm doing. Night Trap was one of those as well. Now, Night Trap and Double Switch was the same thing, but it wasn't as good. Night Trap, you're basically... I, you're, I guess you're some sort of cop. I don't even remember the fucking story itself. I do know that there, you're basically... <laughs> it's going to sound stupid. You're basically like a security guard watching a fucking security camera or really like a few security cameras one for the bedroom one for the bathroom one, you know for the whole house and as the scene goes on it's the same thing always no matter what it's the same storyline you can play a million times nothing ever changes it's the same video however what you do can make you lose um, but it's really fucking cool because there's a whole story going on in different rooms, upstairs, downstairs, and depending on how you move yourself around, depending on which security cameras you're going to, you get bits and pieces of the story. And you're, you're basically fending this house from these, well, what you would think to be just burglars. Because they're just guys dressed in black. But no, no, they're fucking vampires. They're like human vampires with like crazy fucking masks on. And instead of biting your neck, they use like fucking uh, needle to suck your blood out and fucking it goes through a tube. And it's fucking ridiculous. But it was a fun game. Basically, you go around. As I said, you're going and looking at these different security cameras. And there's traps set in each room. 
And all you have to do is you have to hit the button as they step on the trap. So it's all a bunch of fucking memorization. That's all it is. Which is kind of like Sewer Shark. And I said I didn't really like Sewer Shark, so you might be like, well, you're saying you like this. Well, yes, because even though this was memorization, you get to see different parts of the story. So if you're, let's say, let's say you're just hanging out in the fucking living room, you get to see some people talking, you get to hear, like, fucking people conspiring, who's the bad guy, who's the good guy, I don't know. You can move up to the bathroom, something else is going on up there, but you might have missed it because you were too busy doing something else. So you get bits and pieces of that story, kind of like, oh, well, sleep no more, which we'll be doing um, on April 29th. Uh, yes, everybody who's going to the meetup, if you've gotten this far, by the way, my I'm expecting nobody to be listening to this right now. But if you are, good fucking job. Good fucking job. You sat through a lot of shit. And we're going to keep going here. But anyway, so Night Trap was cool. Oh, and what was the fucking bitch in it? Oh, fuck. Not Nicole Eggert. The other, Dana Plato. I think Dana Plato was in it. Or was it Nicole Eggert? Nicole Eggert, Dana Plato. I know Dana Plato's the dead one, so probably her. Nicole Eggert is still alive, isn't she? I think she is. I'm pretty. Either way, I'm pretty sure it's Dana Plato. But if I'm wrong, I don't give a fuck. Because again, nobody is listening to this. Uh, but uh, speaking of Dragon's Lair, they had Dragon's Lair in here, except it didn't show you the flashes on the screen to tell you where to go. Because they assume, well, if they fucking don't have to keep inserting quarters, this will make it a little harder for them. So you have no clue what to fucking do. You have to just—it's literally memorization. And you, when you lose, you still have to start from the beginning. So. So you're going through the game over and over again. Ugh, it, it is fucking tough. Good thing I didn't buy that one. But I did play it on there, and it was it was just awful. It was awful. Really bad. But there were a lot of good games. Remember the Adventures of Willie Beamish? I eventually bought it. I beat it. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. It was really fucking hard when you get towards the end because there's a lot of moments that if you didn't do something like halfway through the game, if you missed something or if you didn't talk to the right person, for the rest of the game, you'll never have an item you were supposed to get. And you're supposed to use that item at the very end. So when you get up to that point, if you do not have that item, you lost the game. There's no way to win. There's no way. And you can't go back. Which save, 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 people. When you're playing these games, save, save, save. There was a Jurassic Park game that was fucking cool. I, was it based? It might have been based on the one, like, in the arcade. No, it was a point and click, I think. I, I had that one, too, I believe. Oh, God, it's so fucking long ago when I played that. I still fucking own that game. Yeah, no, I do have that game. Holy shit, I have it right here. Okay, so, yeah, it's like an adventure game, a point-and-click game, which is fucking cool. Now, another game that I did not have on the computer, on the PC, because I didn't have a PC, I had a Mac, was The Secret of Monkey Island, and The Secret of Monkey Island is a fucking great game. It was because of the Sega CD that I learned about LucasArts, and the second I played Secret of Monkey Island, I started doing a little bit of research, trying to find out what else they did, and I realized that they did fucking Maniac Mansion, and Maniac Mansion was like the greatest game on the Nintendo when I was getting... Again, I like adventure games. You might not like that, so you might be like, how is that a great game? It was a fucking phenomenal game. Again, things going on, it's, it's like... On, it's like clockwork. Things happen in this mansion, and if you're in one room, you might see it happening, but if you're in another, you'll see what's happening in that other room. Either way, things keep going on, and you can plan your strategy based on what people do. Like, you know that somebody's going to, let's say, walk into a room. You could put something in that room so they see it. Anyway, any fucking way. Maniac Mansion. Where was I going with? Oh, yeah, that's how I found that out LucasArts game. So that's how I found out about all the great adventure games that they had. Sam and Max. Fucking. 
That's it, Sam and Max. No, Sam and Max fucking uh, The Day of the Tentacle, which was a sequel to Maniac Mansion. Another great game. They had a ton of great games. Oh, fucking the Indiana Jones game was amazing. Fucking uh, Fate of Atlantis. That was a great game. They also had a Last Crusade game, but I thought it was shit. It, it, the technology wasn't all there, technically. It was like the... Well, maybe the technology was there, but the, the fucking walking was just horrible. And you had to fight, and it was hard to control. The controls were just terrible on that game. But... That's when I started getting more LucasArts games and Sierra games, and it became Adventure City in my fucking house. I love fucking adventure games. Anyway, so that was that. Shadowrun, that was a fucking game and a half. I love fucking Shadowrun. Uh, Shining Force CD. Yeah, Shining Force is a game on the Genesis, which, you know, if you had it, you know, it's an RPG. There's a CD version of it. Shining Force CD. There you go. The Sonic the Hedgehog game was fucking crazy. Fu the, the, okay. Now you go, oh, they do all these crazy things with Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, they did. And they did when the Dreamcast came out. And they did when the Saturn came out. Yes, they did. I think Sonic is even now on, like, fucking either, like, PlayStation and shit like that. I don't even know because, you know, uh, I don't get new systems. I love working with the old, which is why I'm talking about Sega CD right now. But fucking Sonic CD was, like, the first time you could see Sonic going like this, like, 3D. And you're like, what do you mean 3D? Was it like glasses? No. The background wasn't just background. You were walking through it. You could turn and face a direction. I mean, it was fucking cool. Uh, so, yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog on CD was great. And there were other games, too, that were fucking adventure games and stuff like that. And, and yes. Yes. There were also shooting games. Yeah. yeah. Shooting games. Yep. Who Shot Johnny Rock was one of them. And these are all these things that were like, was it American Laser Games or whatever? Uh, like Mad Dog McCree, Mad Dog 2. <laughs> all those games you needed a fucking light gun for. They had those, and they were great because they, that was another one of those like live action. It's the games you've seen in the, in the arcade. You know, where it's an FMV, where you got the fucking characters running. You just shoot, you shoot them, and it's, it, you know, it's cheesy graphics and whatever. But at the time, it was fucking cool. Anyway, there you go. There were some fucking fighting games, too. You know, there were some platformers, like Chuck Rock. That, you know, everybody remembers Chuck Rock if you had a Sega CD, probably. Um, what else did they have? They didn't have... Uh, what the fuck was that game? I think it was on either... It was on Saturn. It might have been on Dreamcast. What the fuck was that crazy game? Where you, you, you're... It's uh, like a sea monkey type thing, and... Oh, it's creepy. The guys, it, it makes you feel really awkward playing it. And, like, you have, it's, like, basically kind of like a Tamagotchi in a way, but not really. You're, cre there's, like, a sea monkey. Oh, what the fuck was it called? It's sea something. You, you just go on. You'll find it. I played that game at my friend's house, and I wanted to kill myself. It was so frightening. Because, <laughs> like, okay, so you feed it, and then, like, it grows up, and it starts making smart-ass comments to you, and it's really depressed. And, like, you have to keep it alive, basically, but also, like, it's, I don't know. It's a game you have to play. I can't even explain it. It's just, it, it's just, anyway, that's not saying a CD. I'm just mentioning it because it existed. But there was, like, a Dracula game that was all right. Uh, Earthworm Jim, they did a fucking CD version of it. Um, what else do they have? Oh, yeah, then they have, like, the games like Mansion of the Hidden Souls. You guys know Mansion of the Hidden Souls, right? 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 Point and click? Yes? I like point and click. I'm a big fan of point and click if you haven't guessed it yet. Um, there, was a, there was like a Dune game. Did they have any Star Wars games? <sighs> I don't remember if they had any Star Wars games. I don't think they did, but they might have had one. Oh, they probably had a Rebel Assault. Oh, no! They had Star Wars Chess. 
They did have Star Wars chess, and it was like the fucking chess game they play on the Millennium Falcon. That was cool. Um, but yeah, I think they had Star Wars Rebel Assault too. Um, anyway, yeah, Sega CD. Yep. Remember Theme Park? That was on there. <laughs> Remember that one? <laughs> Remember, uh, <laughs> I was just going to keep talking. Oh, Prince of Persia, that was another one that looked good. You know, there was there was a lot of things that just, they might not have been amazing games, but they looked good. Pop Full Mail was a big one. Everyone likes Pop Full Mail. Panic, that was a great game. Fucking Panic. Does anybody remember fucking Panic? That was good. They released it on PS2 later. But it was like a really weird fucking game. You should check that out. Fucking Panic. Ah, Panic. It was a weird game. I can't explain it. It's like um, it's like if Monty Python met a puzzle game. That's what I would call it. Monty Python meets a puzzle game. And you're like, oh, no. Monty Python meets the Adventures of Lolo. That's what it's kind of like. What's the Adventures of Lolo? Go play NES. You'll fucking learn what the Adventures of Lolo is. Just, I can't explain it. It's that type of game. Do you know Bubble Bobble? They didn't have that on Sega CD, but I just wanted to know if you knew Bubble Bobble. Bubble Bobble. Bubble Bobble Bubble Bobble Bubble Bobble Bubble Bobble. It's I can't stop saying it now. Bubble Bobble Bubble Bobble 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 Bobble. What? How did the fucking theme song go? Holy shit! No, I'm gonna sit here and think about what the fucking theme song was because it's so fucking ear earwormy. Earwormy. Oh fuck. Now I'm just thinking of fucking Frogger. I know that's not it, but that was fucking Frogger. What was fucking Bubble Bobble's theme song? Holy fucking shit. I could just play it and go, oh, yeah, it's that. I need the first note, and I would get it. But it was... Oh, I do... Oh, um, fuck. Damn it, I lost it. I just had it in my goddamn head. Holy shit, it was crazy. I was about to sing it, and it was like, nope, fuck you. Fuck you, Jerry. Fuck you. Jesus Christ. Forget it. Who gives a shit? <sighs> there was a th fucking theme song in um, Sonic 2 that was great. Casino Nights. It's like, <laughs> do you really want me to sing Casino Nights? <laughs> Probably not. Just listen to Casino Nights. You'll like it. Uh, Sega CD was great, wasn't it, guys? Stop hating on it. There are good games. Oh, fucking shit. I almost forgot. I almost forgot a fucking game. This is a game that everybody loved. Everybody. There's not one person out there who does not love Jeopardy. I'm kidding. Fucking Jeopardy. Fuck Jeopardy. But you know, not fuck Jeopardy. I like Jeopardy. But fuck Jeopardy as a game on any system. Because you always get the same fucking questions. They'll never. The only way to make it fucking good is if it's online and the questions are never the same. They never repeat them. Which is still impossible because like it would have to be constant. It would have to be like a weekly event. That's the only fucking way. Maybe even a daily event, you know. But fucking, it would be too impossible. It. I had Jeopardy on the NES, and I used to play it like with my mom when I was a kid. Holy shit! She would kick the shit out of me even though I knew all the answers because she buzzed and she could type quickly. I was a kid. What was I supposed to do? Jeopardy. Anyway. Jeopardy on any system stinks. Jeopardy, even even now with all the fucking technology out there, the only way, the only way, online, daily or weekly or something, and you can't, don't repeat questions. Don't put it on a loop. Because the second you get a question, you know, you're like, oh, bing, and it's, you're cheating. Alrighty. Because if you fucking, it's your game, you, you're cheating. The person who's coming over to play it, they're like, what the fuck? I didn't know that answer, and you did. That's not fair. 
No, the game I was referring to that everybody loved, Mickey Mania. Now they had it on the Sega Genesis, but the fucking the fucking the fucking version on Sega CD was so fucking amazing, and none of you could say no. None of you could say no. The fuck, oh my god, the backgrounds, the way they did the backgrounds in that, like, 3D, and the fucking sound was just amazing. The, oh, it looked so fucking good. Changing from, like, at first you start in black and white. Just the way everything moves is so fluid. Fuck, that was a good game. Mickey Mania, also known as the Timeless Adventures of Mickey Mouse. But that fucking game was great. Any fucking Disney game is usually fun to play for the most part, except for, I guess, a select few. Like, anything on the DS, it's hit or miss. I mean, they had some shit games. Like, there's a, like a Sweet Life of Zack and Cody game. I think there's actually two Sweet Life of Zack and Cody games. And, like, a Raven game. Why, why did they make games out of those shows? There's like 20 Hannah Montana games and like two Kim Possible games. At least Kim Possible was a cartoon. I don't know. Kim Possible actually has a storyline that would make sense in a game. You know? <sighs> but we're not talking about the fucking most games on DS or shit. Unless it, it's like, let's say there's 7,000 games on DS. is actually more than that. Let's say there's 10,000 games. <laughs> more than that. What am I talking about? But let's just say there was 10,000 games on DS, right? Let's just say that. as a, a, a number that's completely out there. Five of them are good. <laughs> that's it. Okay, maybe like maybe like a hundred out of out of ten of, out of ten thousand. Let's say a hundred out of ten thousand are good. All right, uh, Sega CD. Anything else I want to say about that? No, it was good. It was a good system, and you could play it now if you believe in emulators. If you don't, you could still play it. I don't give a shit what you do. Uh, you could play fucking Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, which is a game that just always pops up. It's like, hey, you want to play some Abandonware? Play this. You go into the fucking like, Walmart, and you're like, you want to buy Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective? No, I don't. I don't really want to buy it. I mean, it's fun. You get to, like, you know, you have to get clues, but... I don't know. I just I just feel like it, it's a little bullshitty. But anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Sega CD. Fuck. All right. Bye.
the door go to? There's like a locked door over here. What? How come we can't get in there? What if we want to fix things? I like fixing things. Are we done? No! Let the He's too tall to get a hit on Oh shit. Slam her!
<laughs> I guess that's it. Whoa! Slam! <laughs> <laughs> it's all two. Whoa! Okay, I'm playing. We got some long legs. Time to question. I don't Where know you were last night. I already know what you got to say. I already know your lie, but I can't believe that I just cause it's something that you don't know. Music video.